As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Rates and Barrels. It is Friday, September 8th. I'm Al Melchior. I am here with Dino Saris. And uh, this is our weekly weekend preview show. Just a few of these left. And, you know, right off the bat here, I'm just going to confess, uh, confess that uh, I lied. I lied about the date. For you, if you're listening to this right when it comes out, it is, in fact, Friday, September 8th. We are recording this a little bit early on Thursday the 7th. So there are a handful of Thursday night games uh, that... Me, I'm certainly, I'm sure they'll produce some news. Uh, it'll be a little too late for us, uh, but we got plenty, plenty to talk about uh, without those uh, games in hand. So we are going to uh, take a look at the week's big news. We've got one big prospect uh, for sure coming up, uh, maybe one or two others uh, that are on the way and the usual preview of hitters and pitchers to target and a big, big list of two-start streamer candidates and a little bit of bullpen news. So uh, lots to get to here, Eno. So let's get right away to the big the big call-up, Jordan Lawler. Uh, he is uh, coming up with the Diamondbacks, spent most of the year with AA Amarillo, uh, 263 average, 15 homers, 33 steals, and great numbers in AAA, uh, Reno, for the brief time he was there. So my question to you, Eno, obviously this is a big deal. It's big news. How much do we maybe discount the AAA numbers given the environment there? Does it even matter? Do we just go and pursue Lawler everywhere, regardless of what those numbers are? Or are you a little concerned that he's more or less uh, leapfrogging AAA? One thing that I like is that ever since he had his injury, he's cut his strikeouts year over year as he's advanced through the minors. So I do believe that he can probably be an asset when it comes to batting average. Um, it looks like he has a, a little bit of a lower launch angle, so he's not going to be a guy that kills you in BABIP, and he's fast. So I, I think it's, this is a guy who, despite the projections, could probably hit 260, 275, 280. Uh, he kind of has a skill set for that. I also think he'll get on base at a decent clip. He's had double-digit walk rates all the way through the minors, so that's good news. I do think that power is an open question mark. We've had isolated slugging percentages for Jordan Lawler all the way from like 140 uh, up to the current 250 in Reno. And, and the 
you know, the best ones have usually been augmented by a nice park situation. I see a 108.6 max EV in AAA and a 33% hard hit rate with a 47% ground ball rate. You know, I'm just using those to kind of approximate what would be a barrel rate in the major leagues. And um, I'm assuming it almost be like a four or five right now. So um, I'm not thinking uh, that power will be the greatest output for Jordan Lawler. But uh, I mean, for the D-backs, it makes sense. They Everything's on the line this weekend with a, a series against the Cubs who are ahead of them in the, in the wildcard race. He's better than Nick Ahmed. He's better than Geraldo Pardomo, probably. And there is the chance that he does hit for some power. I think if I was, uh, you know, guessing a, a true talent, full season, where Jordan Lawler is right now, I'd consider him like a 275-15 uh, guy, maybe. 15-25 guy. Uh, obviously uh, helpful in most categories, but not as helpful if you need homers down the stretch. Right, right. And I mean, just that combination prorated to a full season, that to me sounds like a 12-team mixed league kind of guy. Still useful in all leagues, yeah. Somebody should be pursued. Uh, I mean, if we're saying all leagues, that would include 18-10 team. And I've talked about this before, you know, but my philosophy with that is when you have somebody with such a high ceiling, and you're talking about really shallow leagues. I don't see an argument to not pursue them there because they get off to a slow start. If you've got a stacked uh, lineup that maybe they don't crack it this coming week, uh, those those players are easily replaced on waivers. So I have a 12-team league. Uh, it is a, sadly a, sort of a hybrid with keepers, so uh, Lawler is not out there for me. But in this 12-team league, I am currently nursing along Jeremy Pena and Willie Adamas uh, to the finish line and I'm in second and I would love uh, to the ability to bid on Jordan Lawler uh, f- to drop one of those. Um, I think I would probably uh, drop Pena first because Adamus at least uh, shows the power. Um, but uh, yeah, could he like could he outproduce Jeremy Pena the rest of the way for sure? Yeah, no, that totally seems reasonable. I think that, yeah, those are good comparisons too, because those are both players that probably aren't in a lot of 12 teamers, but it's kind of on that fringe. So I think that's, yeah, Lawler is certainly a better candidate to have in leagues uh, than, than the players that you mentioned. And uh, I mentioned at the top, maybe a couple of other prospects coming up this weekend as well. And one is the result of uh, an injury situation that's not entirely clear just yet, but Adolis Garcia left the Rangers game on Wednesday against the Astros, uh, trying to make a catch, injured his right knee. And so the word from uh, Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News is that Evan Carter may get a call up. And like Jordan Lawler, he has spent most of the season at the AA level, put up some nice numbers at Frisco, 12 homers, 22 steals, a 284 average, a 132 WRC plus. So if you're not overwhelmed by the counting stats uh, relative to the uh, the league, uh, Carter did quite well and a little time at, at, at AAA as well. So uh, first of all, have you heard any updates on, on Garcia? Uh, maybe that I missed in the last hour or so. And uh, what where do you think Carter belongs if he comes up? I have not. I saw the injury in real time. Uh, my uh, kid was excited to watch uh, a divisional matchup, so we were watching that uh, that game together. And he tried to make a catch at the wall. If I'm if I'm understanding the, the right situation, and he landed uh, awkwardly on his knee, and he, he he stood there for a while. We thought he might even come out of the game. I think he finished the game, but he uh, you know he's he's now it seems like he's hurt. 
Carter is a favorite of mine in OBP leagues, uh, in on-base percentage leagues. Evan Carter is a guy who's carried a 400-plus on-base percentage all the way through the minor leagues. Um, and I love his uh, ability to make contact and uh, take walks. Uh, it's not quite Mookie Betsian, but, uh, you know, it's it's reminiscent of that in terms of higher walk rates than strikeout rates at some of the levels. and. So I'm I'm pretty excited about him in that in those terms. Uh, 106 max EV this year in AAA, and it's only 39 plate appearances in. So that's that's not everything, but it does line up with uh, again question marks about his power. He's uh, more a guy that'll get on base and run uh, than he is necessarily going to come up and hit a bunch of homers. I mean, he spent all year this year in the minors. Uh, 500 plate appearances has 13 homers for it. So. Um, you know, it's not a package that uh, is going to produce the kind of outcomes that Odolis Garcia did, but it is nice for Rangers team to uh, have somewhat of a worthy replacement for Garcia if he needs a blow. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, given that the the Rangers need to uh, need to compete and get into that uh, postseason picture, uh, this this move would make a lot of sense if Garcia is going to be out for any period of time at all. And then there's a third prospect that we may see. It sounds like we are going to see him not really on the same level uh, in terms of Lawler or Carter, but uh, Davis Daniel uh, report from the Athletics, uh, Sam Bloom, is that he is going to be called up before Thursday night's game against the Guardians. So again, those of you listening on Friday, uh, this will certainly be confirmed for you. It does sound like it's going to happen. And there's a TBD currently, as we speak here, for the the, uh, the Angels starter. So Daniel could very well be making his Major League debut as a starter on Thursday night. So uh, Daniel has missed most of uh, 2023 with the shoulder strain. Uh, he's not been pitching in the upper minors coming back from that injury. So, I mean, there's a lot here to kind of, I think, temper our enthusiasm, but do you see anything here if, if Daniel does go into the rotation that uh, would recommend him maybe in 15-team leagues or something deeper? This is a complete black box, I feel like. <laughs> I mean, he's pitched 25 innings this year, five of which were at the complex, and the other 20 were at A-ball. Uh, you know, maybe... Maybe if I had stuff numbers for his AAA last year, but you know that was weird because after you know double-digit swing strike rates, double-digit strikeout rates, he hit AAA last year and dropped to a 7K9 with a 9.9 swing strike. Uh, which you know, if he was coming up off of that, I'd say nah, I'm not that interested. He has recovered the swing strike rate, but he did it the A ball, so <laughs> I. Uh, I don't know if I'm touching this one. I, I'm just going to say that I will uh, be very interested in uh, his numbers uh, once he pitches. <laughs> I would, would much rather uh, know what happened afterwards. Um, Eric Longenhagen over at Fangraph says that Daniel was up to 96 miles per hour at Auburn, but he was sitting 90 to 94 with a nice curveball before his elbow blew out. Um, and, uh, so now we have, uh, TJ in April of 2019 and shoulder in, in 2023. So, uh, you know, in terms of dynasty, uh, there's uh, a lot of iffiness there with the injuries as well. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. So, but uh, something to monitor. And again, uh, maybe uh, you all listening have had a chance to even uh, check him out uh, on Thursday night. So, uh, not not quite the prospect Palooza that we had at the uh, well, roster expansion season, deadline, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's still something. It's I don't know going into September and seeing big name prospects like Jordan Lawler come up. Uh, pretty exciting, I think. We could also count uh, a young starter uh, who's on the cusp, uh, sort of losing his prospect dumb. But uh, there's a Marlins guy coming up that uh, that you could almost count as part of prospect Palooza in, in Edward Cabrera, uh, who's suddenly, uh, I think, a full starter. Uh, that uh, I know that he got used for four innings in the Dodgers game, but that same day they got the news. Uh, in Miami that Sandy Alcantara has a forearm strain and is out for the rest of the season. So uh, I can't really see how they're going to do anything but start Edward Cabrera every start out. <laughs> yeah, they. I think they really kind of need to do that. And uh, this th- this sort of forces us to jump ahead a little bit, you know, because like I said at the outset, Sorry about that. we've got a No, 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 no. This is a good thing uh, that there's a, a very lengthy list of two start streamers and Cabrera definitely belongs in that. And with his first start back up, really an excellent outing only four innings though, but still I'd be willing to overlook that it was against the Dodgers and granted they've been scuffling a little bit lately, but uh, you know, maybe give the, the Marlins a little bit of credit in that and uh, just a, a fantastic outing for Cabrera against the Dodgers. And then uh, for next week, he lines up at the Brewers, then at home against the the Braves. So the Brewers one, I kind of like, but that's clearly a mixed bag. <laughs> so uh, would you roll with Cabrera in 12-team leagues, which is probably where you'd be able to pick him up at this point? Uh, yeah, that uh, that brave start is uh, a rough one, but the one nice thing is at least it'll be in Miami. I do believe in Cabrera's stuff as top shelf and maybe even willing that you know the Braves do sometimes only score two or three runs, you know, so uh, that's possible. What I do like after that is uh, he gets the Brewers again and then he gets the Mets and uh, I think that those are, are good matchups. Uh, the Brewers game is in Miami. So, I mean, if it's daily leagues, uh, I, I would. he's got to be gone off your wire now uh, because uh, I'd start him in all those uh, games except for the Braves. Uh, if it's in weekly, uh, you know, we may find some, some other guys that are two starters that we like better. But uh, in terms of stuff, I'm there. I think he's uh, improved his locations. His locations uh, have been above average uh, over the last month. And that's really, really important with Cabrera because, like, when you talk about his starts being at Marlins Park, for some pitchers, it's, you know, that's a, a very uh, encouraging thing. It's like, okay, they can keep the, the ball in play and, and, uh, minimize the damage that way. But Marlins Park doesn't necessarily help Cabrera when he's wild. So mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the location being improved is really, really key for him. So uh, that's uh, it's an interesting two-step for him. And while we're on the Marlins here, uh, Jorge Soler has finally been placed on the IL. Uh, his absence so far, where when he was day-to-day, created some playing time for Xavier Edwards. Uh, just a little bit of moving around with Josh Bell going to DH and then Luis Arias moving over to first base. And Edwards, I, I, I just I hate to say this, you know, but it's just my first association is always with the Blake Snell trade, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> Blake Snell had a very infamous comment about uh, Xavier Edwards, but I will say it's 
it's sort of played out in Edwards' first appearances in the majors, a very, very low hard hit rate, but he's hitting for average, uh, stolen some bases, and that's what you figure you can get from him if he if he does get some playing time, which it appears he's he's in line for right now. Uh, to me, the story, I think, is uh, more that some of the guys that had been kind of in and out of that uh, lineup uh, may be more solidified. I'm thinking uh, in particular of kind of Jesus Sanchez, um, seems like he's an everyday starter now. Um, and with Jazz Chisholm uh, in center, um, you know, uh, you could do Brian De La Cruz, uh, Jazz Chisholm, and Jesus Sanchez most nights, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think Edwards will get some play, uh, but this is, I think, the best news is for Jesus Sanchez. I don't know, you know, maybe it just means playing against more lefties, which may not be great for him. Um, but I do think that's more chances to hit a home run. And why do you have Jesus Sanchez in your lineup except uh, for chances at hitting a home run? Uh, well, uh, let's go back to the Angels because obviously there's a, a big story there, ongoing story with Shohei Otani. And again, because we're recording before the Angels play on Thursday night. Uh, we won't know whether or not he started that game, but if he missed it, it'll be his third straight game, or I'm sorry, fourth straight game out uh, now with the oblique injury uh, for Otani, which obviously he's not pitching again this year, um, not likely to pitch next year, but he up until last few days had been DHing regularly. So this is something, you know, that is not to you know, make this personal on this show, but uh, hurting me in a playoff matchup this week where I started Otani, maybe unwisely because it was always a day-to-day thing to him, even before the oblique injury. So yeah, I feel like he could be shut down any moment. Yeah. So if we roll into Sunday and there's still not any resolution here, do you just have to go ahead and bench Otani next week? Yeah. I, I just, I feel like the momentum here is towards, you know, shutting him down for the season, especially because I'm speculating that he could possibly do an internal brace on the elbow and that's a six month timeline. But if you think about it, uh, just giving him even this month of September in that six month timeline, uh, gives him more time to pitch during the season next, next year. Um, so, uh, there are reasons for him to do it. Um, I wonder if his agent is, uh, I don't know if it's, it's probably not legal, uh, but, uh, and I'm not suggesting he's doing something illegal, uh, but, uh, there's gotta be some way to kind of figure out, uh, what the market will bear. Will it be a one-year pillow contract? In which case, um, all you're trying to do is, uh, play well enough to, to get a $20 million, $30 million contract for one year, and then, uh, prove that you can pitch by the end of next season, in which case the six month timeline doesn't matter. Um, you know, so there's, uh, there's a lot of things going on in Otaniville right now, especially, uh, centered around, uh, you know, what he wants to do. And number one thing is he wants to do his play. So, there's uh, things pulling him in every direction, but I just think at some point uh, somebody will tell him he has to shut down. Yeah. Well, I think that is the wise assumption to make at this stage. And obviously when I talk about it rolling into Sunday, uh, that's another few days there. So that, you know, that's, that's not a good situation either way, uh, whether he's uh, officially shelved for the season or there's limbo for basically a whole week. Uh, neither situation is, is very encouraging. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, just a couple more items here. Uh, Gary Sanchez uh, has a fractured right wrist resulting from a hit by pitch on Wednesday. And so his season appears to be done. And meanwhile, uh, Luis Camposano, he's been getting, I guess, roughly half the playing time behind the plate. Uh, I would assume that this means a bigger role for him. And Camposano's done done all right in uh, this somewhat limited playing time. So as somebody yeah, who's I'm not very widely rostered. Him. Yeah. yeah, I've watched him and I'm really surprised uh, by the amount of contact he's making. There were some iffy whiff rates uh, in his in his debut and in you know in some parts of the minors. Uh, he he's definitely not a patient guy, but there are a lot of players that kind of take this high hit tool, uh, you know, always swinging approach and and take it to to good heights. So um, the barrel rate's pretty decent. The the max EV isn't isn't amazing. Uh, but you, you know, when you're talking about catchers, you, the bar is always way lower. <laughs> you know? um, and in terms of like a, a, even his projected 17% strikeout rate, that would be what, like second or third best among catchers. Uh, so I, I see this as a, one of the rare catchers that can give you batting average. Um, and could he do something like Cabert Ruiz has done this year with a 260 average and 15 homers, uh, 16, 17 homers next year? Uh, I think that's totally possible. Yeah, uh, and that's a a good comp, a useful comp for us because it seems that whenever on the show, whether it's you and me or DVR and and me, uh, we talk about catchers. Usually the discussion is, are they going to be a second catcher in a two-catcher league? Because very rare is the case that somebody just comes onto the scene or inherits playing time. He's right in between the two, I think. He could be a back-end number one, one, I think, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I think that clearly does put him in the the number two catcher category so that's that's good oh that puts him in the number two for you i think think ruiz is is ruiz is a back end number one and camposano probably slots behind him just because you don't know you know more about ruiz than you do Uh, i think we're talking sort of 12 through 15 anyway right okay and i was gonna say when i use that one versus two catcher that totally ignores whether we're talking 10 teams 12 teams 15 teams 20 teams so yeah i think in certain instances ruiz you're right would be that number one catcher low end, but yeah, would be there in Capisano because of the, the playing time uncertainty and, and the production uncertainty, I think does slot in behind. Right. So um, just one other item here, something that's again, been sort of an ongoing, ongoing story uh, for the last several weeks on this program is the Orioles rotation, Cole Irvin going to the bullpen. Now the thing that's a little bit of a twist here is that that's been anticipated because John means return is imminent. But the Orioles are uh, going with a fine five-man rotation for now. So that leaves John Means' role and arrival time a little bit 
unclear. Does this change anything for you or is it still safe to assume you think that means it's going to be in that rotation and needs to be added where, where he can be outside of maybe some shallow leagues? I mean, this rotation also has Kyle Gibson in it. So uh, it's not like uh, they can't move somebody else out. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that would be my assumption, actually, whether it's Gibson or or Dean Kramer. And I think what you do if you're the Orioles from a real-life strategy standpoint is you make Gibson and Irvin uh, the guys, like if you are trying to uh, win – in order to win the division, right? Because that could get tight. Uh, I would use Irvin and uh, Gibson in like the fourth inning or the fifth. You know what I mean? Like yeah. bring them in to be that bridge uh, to the seventh, especially since you lost Bautista and everybody moved up a chair. Uh, that makes the, the sixth inning more vulnerable. So if they can pitch the fifth and the sixth, you could ask Flaherty to go out there, throw as hard as you can for three, four innings. We're going to take you out early. Sorry, dude. We got to win all these games. Yeah, and that makes uh, a lot of sense. Yeah, it makes me wonder if that's what's with this sort of weird timing with them going to a five-man rotation. Yeah, I do. Like, what what happens when you play the the schedule game? You know, like who has who who's where? Irvin was supposed to be the spot where Means took his schedule, right? Right. And what? Because I think they were. Day was that going to be? Yeah, because they were. I think at least at one point lined up on the same days. Yeah, I've got a pitching probables uh, from MLB. Um, and for tomorrow, is there a game today for them? I don't believe so, but I No, can... there isn't. So then Friday, it lists uh, Bradish. Uh, and Saturday, it's got Flaherty. Sunday, it's got Grayson Rodriguez. Well, see, these are all the guys we know. <laughs> Uh, Monday, it starts with the TBDs. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, what we'll, we'll I get, it, and yeah. that'll suck too, because, uh, that's when you're picking somebody up for it. Sunday night, you got to decide, uh, hopefully we get more information. Um, I would just say that some of this is, uh, you know, not so important because I don't think Gibson is rosterable in a lot of leagues he would have to be a two-starter although i guess if he's that tbd guy he could be a two-starter i wouldn't basically depend on anybody on the back end of this to be a great two-starter even if means is scheduled for monday they call him up for monday and they say oh he's pitching monday and that makes him a two-starter do you think he'll pitch much more than like six or seven innings for the week you know Um, yeah so that's a that's a good point. And so I'm looking at some probables as well. So the way these are lined up, and I agree, you have to really take this with a, a big grain of salt is uh, Dean Kramer and uh, Gibson Monday. would both, yeah, they'd be Monday, Tuesday. But yeah, I wouldn't feel feel and great about that. On uh, the Sunday, uh, means that he'd make another minor league start. Uh, so he's making one during this week. So he could be activated Monday or Tuesday. I, I kind of think Kramer has risen above. So if you do want uh, Kramer for uh, what would it, what was what's the schedule then? It would it's be Cardinals, Cardinals at home, and see that's uh, it's not that's, great. It's not great. I I don't think that I'm <laughs> running to get Kramer there, especially given what might happen. Yeah, I'm with you 100 percent on that. 
All right, well, let's pivot back to some hitters and not really a long list. In fact, this is going to be sort of a revisiting of a lot of names that we've talked about in recent weeks. Um, but I want to go back to the the big names from about a week ago uh, on this, this show, uh, Jason Dominguez, Ronnie Mauricio. And I'm going back to them, first of all, because they've both performed better than I wouldn't, I would have necessarily expected, especially Dominguez. And they're both out there. Mauricio, especially, he may even be in some, not 15 team, but maybe 13, 14 team leagues. And they're both out there in some tens and twelves. So uh, obviously based on the results, you would make a, make a play for them this week. But we've also seen lots of times where very good prospects come up initially and do great. And then things kind of catch up with them. So do you I see like, any risk at all? I, I see a little bit with Mauricio. Um, just because I, I like Jason Dominguez's um, approach to the plate better. Um, Ronnie Mauricio's swung at 47% of the pitches he's seen outside the zone. Uh, I have to feel like, and he's also hit 69% ground ball, which is not nice uh, this early in his career and also maybe not too meaningful 19 plate appearances in, but still those are two signs where I'm like, man, I feel like this guy can get me pitched to plus his projections aren't as nice. Um, so I, if I'm choosing between the two, it's Dominguez. If I'm choosing between two for careers, it's Dominguez. Um, I'm not saying that Mauricio has no chance. Mauricio ha- does hit the ball super hard and uh, has good legs. So I, I do think that he will be a contributor but I do. I also think there's going to be some bumps in the road for a guy that um, has some flaws in his approach. Yeah. So you mentioned legs, three steals already in just five games, 421 batting average. But that's obviously extremely BABIP driven. Uh, you know, like you said, not much power, not much uh, launch angle there for Mauricio, and yet some some results that have been helpful for those who have started him this week. So I, you know, do agree. It's kind of a a no doubter that if Dominguez is out there, uh, pick him up wherever wherever you can. And then a few other players who they're kind of on that same fringe, like probably out there in your 12 teamers, but not necessarily JP Crawford, who's uh, really broken out in the latter part of the season. Uh, David Schneider, who's sort of carrying the Blue Jays offense at this point, (laughs) strangely enough. And Mitch Garver, who I'm just always surprised each week when I look at roster rates that he's not more widely rostered. So is it time for Crawford, Schneider, Garver to just be graduated to to shallower leagues at this point? Crawford's kind of boring. I, I, I like him and he's my shortstop in AL labor and we're, we're trying to push, uh, we're, you know, second or third every, every other night, but, um, and I'm happy that he's doing this. And I think, you know, it's, he's played well, but, uh, what's he going to do the rest of the season? Maybe hit for an okay average, maybe hit one homer, maybe steal one base. Uh, Schneider, on the other hand, uh, is trying to pull everything in the air. And while there may be some ups and downs to this in the future where we've seen his batting average yo-yo in the minors, and you know when you hit this many fly balls, I, I get it. Uh, but he also does not swing at pitches outside the zone. And uh, this approach really leads to it can lead to homers and bunches. So if I was looking for homers in that threesome, I would uh, pick up Schneider in a second. In fact, I know his bat, his strikeout rate is is high. Uh, this is the kind of guy that uh, I would bet on over a struggling. Like if I was still nursing Tim Anderson along, 
Um, hoping for him to hit to his projections, uh, David Schneider would be an easy pickup for me. Yeah, and still, you know, getting regular play, obviously, with uh, players out for the, the Blue Jays hitting in the, the heart of that lineup. So uh, a lot to like there. I think him. also, even when they get fully healthy, I'm not sure that uh, he sits anymore because, A, they've needed offense, uh, you know, more than all and, and anything. And then B, like it's not like second base was uh, super solidified. You can play Merrifield in the outfield, um, and uh, you could pretty much give Schneider second base and move uh, Merrifield into a platoon with Kiermaier um, and uh, into a virtual platoon if you want to move Barsha over to center or whatever. But, you know, it's not like Kevin Biggio or Santiago Espinal or Whit Merrifield has been playing so well that David Schneider can't play. Absolutely true. No argument there. So uh, those players, none of the ones that we mentioned are likely to be around in your 15-teamers, or 14-teamers. So not necessarily helpful uh, to think about them there, but I've got a few players who are pretty broadly available. And one, a little bit of a surprise to me, you know, uh, Nuelvi Marte. On the one hand, a little bit of a surprise. And on the other hand, I mean, he's not been overwhelming at the plate. And then when he first came up, there was the question of, where is there even going to be regular playing time on that? I Reds. think that's, isn't that still kind of a question? Uh, you've got, you know, people asking Joey Votto, like if he's going to come back or how he mm-hmm. feels. Um, Steer came back and Carnacion Strand uh, is there. Uh, Matt McLean is the guy who uh, we're waiting on. Right. But uh, uh, he said another two to three weeks. That's yes. news I hadn't seen. So, that means Marte might be safe for another two to three weeks. Um, okay. Just I'm getting I, close to end of season yeah, <laughs> at this point. I think uh, uh, Marte's an interesting pickup. Again, he's a little bit Mauricio-like, but he has a better uh, plate approach, doesn't swing at everything, hasn't quite gotten to his max power um, you know, over and over again, but it's in there. Um, and there's, you know, Chris Welsh, you know, and I've had some discussions about this where there are people who um, disagree vehemently about how good he is. Uh, and I could see that because, you know, he's hit a ball 115.6 already. That's amazing. Uh, he's never had an ISO above 200 at any level in the minor leagues except for rookie ball. So that's a disconnect for me. Like, what's going on there? He's not getting to that max power enough. And um, I wonder what what the mistake is there. Also, like, he has stolen bases, but I'm a little surprised that he's had five in the major leagues, given that he seems more like a 15 to 20 guy in the minors. So, uh, yeah, there's some question about how good he is. But he's going to play some games in Cincinnati. He's playing uh, regularly. And he has that massive raw power and he's stealing bases. So uh, I think he needs to be owned everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know about super shallow leagues, but um, definitely, you know, 15 teamers where he's, he's out there, not maybe broadly, but he is, I'm surprised he's out there uh, as as much as he is in even some of those uh, deeper leagues. So Definitely needs to be picked up there for sure. And then going even a little bit deeper, you know, Nick Martini, he's been sort of a staple on the show the last couple of weeks because he keeps surprising us both at the playing time and the production. And then a player I think I brought up last week, but I think he it bears bringing him up again because nobody's really picked him up is Nelson Velasquez, who's getting uh, some run and some power production with the Royals. So Martini Velasquez, uh, where where do they fit in fantasy-wise? 
I don't know if I can get behind Martini. I mean, they just they they claimed an outfielder, then they seem to have so many outfielders. It's like I I don't know that I can really figure out um, the playing time situation in that outfield. Martini has come off the bench for some of his games. Um, if you look closely at his game log, so. Uh, I don't know if I'm uh, fully a supporter of him. Nelson Velasquez, on the other hand, I think is starting every day. And I do wonder if uh, the scouting report is going to catch up to him. I mean, uh, you know, for Chicago, the teams that saw him regularly uh, found a way to kind of minimize his power and maximize his uh, swing and miss. But obviously in Kansas City, that hasn't been the case. I wonder if it's sort of a lag time on his scouting report at the same time. I don't care. I think uh, we're getting into the YOLO part of the season. If I need homers, where else am I going to get them? This is a guy who's producing them in bunches. And most of my leagues, Schneider's not there. Velasquez is a, as a budget uh, level uh, Schneider, if you need. Yeah. And that's, I like that uh, categorization. And of the three deeper league options that we're bringing up, uh, Velasquez is definitely the one. If you've got a categorical need for home runs and maybe RBIs, uh, I I think he's the obvious choice, uh, given that uh, all three could be available. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply so uh let's get on with the uh pitching portion of the uh, weekly breakdown here you know and as i said there's a lot of two start uh, options we mentioned edward cabrera so I- i'm probably gonna lump some of these together because like i said there are a lot so well let me just start with a one-off here brady singer he's got uh or at least projects to have a road start at the white Sox, which whether it's home or away, I just like them as a matchup. I think most people do at this point. But then he finishes up at home against the Astros. So very much a mixed bag there for Brady. The Astros Singer. have scored the most runs in baseball in the last week, in the last month. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they've been scorching for a while. So is that is that scary enough to not, uh, not, you know, not take the plunge with Singer, say, in a 12-teamer? Yeah. All right. Honestly, well, yeah, because uh, I don't, I don't like his talent that much. So, okay, well, that, then that's a bad combination. Uh, yeah. We've got a couple of Red Sox uh, options here, and James Paxton. Uh, I, I'm not sure about this, you know, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he was on the most drop list. I think he is, he is there given uh, his run lately. Cutter Crawford. The matchups don't sound based on history and what we're kind of used to. The matchups don't sound great, but a couple of teams that you know. Aren't they what they used to be much. offensively with the Yankees and the Blue Jays. 
I don't know. The the Yankees did show uh, recently they a little bit revitalized. They've changed their lineup. They aren't even what they were two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and Toronto at Toronto, I know that Park is playing a little differently this year, but I I, I can't circle these names. All right. Well, let's go one down the list, and this is going to be a tough one too, you know. Yeah, at Colorado. <laughs> Jordan Wicks at Colorado. Uh, then at Arizona. That one I don't mind too much. Uh, Pass. With Jordan Lawler in the lineup. Uh, but Pass. Jordan Wicks, you know, first of all, just what's your general impression of what you've seen from him so far? Wicks is interesting because his best two pitches are cutters and changeups, and those are ones that my model uh, does struggle with a little bit. Um, uh, at the same time, um, when I am encounter when I encounter a situation like that, I just want more sample uh, to really believe. And it's not like he comes with huge prospect pedigree or anything. So, um, you know, in the case of somebody like Brian Bayo, who had more prospect pedigree, and my model said, you know, his changeup wasn't that good. I was able to say, well, you know, the model doesn't love changeups, but his changeups performing well, and the prospects, the prospect hunters loved him. Uh, I'm going to give him, a, you know, I'm going to give him a nudge in my ranks and I'm going to believe in him more. I don't necessarily have that with Wicks. Yeah, that's fair enough. It wasn't on a lot of our radars uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, Clark Schmidt, he's been kind of a tough one this season because earlier on was getting a lot of swing and miss, but not great results, better results. Uh, the latter part of the season, but less <laughs> swing and miss. And then he starts at the Red Sox, which is not great, but then at Pittsburgh. So. Uh, really a tough one here, I think, to, to read. I think this is uh, a little bit better than the one so far. I don't know that I'm uh, rushing to uh, to circle him here, um, but uh, I did want to check really quickly. I've tried to uh, – I have a mailbag coming out tomorrow, um, and I wanted to look at uh, some of the pitchers all the way through. Um, I have a Detroit – at Boston Pittsburgh. Does that mean he's starting tonight, Clark Schmidt? Or I don't believe so. Or maybe he just uh, started see. against he Detroit. Just did, yeah. So okay, I gotta get rid of Boston that start is his next. So at start. Boston, at Pittsburgh, uh, and then he finishes Arizona possibly, and then at, at Toronto. So uh, I mean, if the weeks. If the calendar worked differently, I would love that at Pittsburgh Arizona combo. Um, so you know, there's uh, there's some there's some interesting things going on in this um, schedule where I wouldn't necessarily want him at Boston, but I might uh, grin and bear it, uh, like I said. And then if you do grin and bear it, you might get him for Arizona the next week and be happy with that. Okay. All right, so it uh, looks like maybe he is the leader in the clubhouse up to this point. Mm, Jose next Quintana. one's my favorite. Okay, yeah, home starts, so you got to like that for Jose Quintana, Love City that. Field. And then the matchups, I, mean, I don't know what, what to call the Reds at this point because they're not at, at full steam. They're not producing like they, they did uh, probably a couple months back. So I'm not sure if they're a good or bad or medium matchup at this point, but you got the Diamondbacks and the Reds at City Field for Quintana. Yeah, I, I'll take that. Uh, I love that park. He's uh, not my favorite uh, pitcher on this list by uh, by quality necessarily, uh, but he's not uh, in the bottom of that. And then the matchups I like the best. Okay. Well, I'm going to start grouping together here because um, got a couple of pitchers who haven't always gone real long into, into games, but uh, they're, they've become staples in their respective teams uh, 
rotations, Pedro Avila and Zach Littell. Uh, and Littell's uh, scheduled to start on Thursday night. So obviously uh, you've got another start there to, to look at uh, that we don't at this moment. But uh, Littell's at Minnesota, at Baltimore, Avila, at the Dodgers, but then at Oakland. So got to like that second start. Yeah, and I think we can package these together with Hanjin Ryu versus Texas versus Boston, Dakota Hudson at Baltimore versus Philadelphia, um, you know, because they're all kind of guys that won't go deep. You know, Hanjin Ryu is stuck at five exactly. Uh, I, in fact, uh, am amazed by how exactly at five he's gone. I think he's gone exactly five in every start. So... Uh, that it's hard sometimes to get a win, especially if you're going against Texas and Boston. Uh, you only pitch five innings. You feel like those games will be decided in the sixth and seventh. Um, so I don't think you're going to get a win there. Littell doesn't go deep. Avila doesn't go deep. Hudson doesn't go deep. I'm going to take the pass on all of these guys if I uh, if I have better options. This does smell to me a little bit like what happens in your deepest of leagues, like your main, uh, if your main event in NFBC or something, you might be looking at something uh, like this. And in that case, I guess I would uh, grin and bear it and take Littell. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with you, but I was also thinking that on the whole with these four pitchers, the matchups are are not that great. No. And so if this is a situation, DVR brings this up a lot and I think it's helpful because some people play in daily league, some people play in two uh, lineup setting uh, yeah, points weekly, a, a yeah. week. And for the uh, Avila at Oakland, I would not want to miss, but mm. coupled with the Dodgers start, I'm probably going to pass. Yeah. That's why I say Littell, like neither one of those is the worst of the options and neither one of them is the best. You know what I mean? And like talent wise, he's probably, the best or second best and matchup wise he's like second best so i'm just gonna take the guy who's second best talent second best matchups you know um i don't know yeah i don't i just i don't believe ever in dakota hudson he's got a bottom shelf command they don't let him play that long he doesn't get strikeouts will the cardinals get a win against baltimore or philadelphia so I don't like that at all. Ryu's team might get wins in those, but I just I don't think with him going five innings, he's going to get the win. So Latell's my guy. All right. Well, uh, we've got three at the end here, and I did put these in in an order that that's approximates my preference. But you know, it sounds like uh, we we vary a little bit, and you kind of like this middle group maybe a little better. But at the bottom here, we've got Ryan Nelson uh, at the Mets, and then at home against the Cubs. And Nelson too is pitching on Thursday night, so that may influence things. And then Andre Jackson at home against the Nationals and Yankees. So Jackson's got the home park, um, a good matchup, I think, against the Nationals. Mm-hmm. And then Ken Waldachuk, uh, I just don't like the matchups at Houston. And then Padres at home, but anybody here that's worth the risk. Yeah, uh, I guess Nelson. Um, Andre Jackson, you know, has a good curveball. He has like three pitches that are close to average, close to average command. But I think you can see how that goes up and down. He just had a bad start um, in his last outing. And I just, I don't know that Yankee start. Yeah, I know it's at home, but it bothers me. And uh, what I like about Nelson is it's in New York where that's a bit of a decimated lineup. Uh, they're, they're running out the kids and it's in New York. And then when he's home against Chicago, you know, I actually kind of think uh, what's interesting about that is now you're choosing uh, among the bad options. 
And uh, the only interesting thing about Nelson versus Chicago is that's such an important game for the for Arizona that I just can't imagine they let him out there to die on the vine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, it's absolutely. not going to be a blow up. So what you're hoping is a good start against New York. He goes five, six, gets a win. And then the bad is mitigated because even if he goes two or three uh, innings and gives up two or three runs in Chicago, um, you know, it won't be uh, a six run thing. Like there's no way they let him out there to give up six runs because they will have other guys ready. And this, their, their whole season's almost on the line. They, they need to beat the Cubs to stay in this wild card race. So um, I, I like Nelson a little bit there. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And I like the the thinking on that. All right. And then just a handful of one start options. Cause I, I basically, well, three of them, I like the matchups. One is just interesting and that's Michael King. I, I don't like at the Red Sox, but he's, he's starting. Uh, he went uh, five deep. I think it was his, uh, his last time out. Uh, so what, I mean, is he worth trotting out there against the Red Sox and is there anything longer term that you like about King as a starter? Uh, I did want to see here. Uh, I like King. Uh, he's kept his stuff plus up in the transition to starting, and uh, he has a, a good sinker slider combo. And I think he has enough other than that to make it work. Um, the problem is that uh, you know you've got King down here for this at Boston start. The next two starts are Toronto, hmm. at Tor- Toronto, and then at Toronto. And I, I know they haven't been hitting that well, but that is not one that I circle. I love that King ends probably at Kansas City. Uh, so it depends a little bit on your stomach for risk uh, and, you know, how good you think King is and uh, how much you want that last start and how much you think he can make it to that last start. Because we're talking about an innings guy. We're talking about a transitioning guy. Um, so I, I like King's... Um, talent a lot and if you're like in a dynasty or, or keeper league where you can pick him up and pitch him some and maybe keep him for next year then I would do that um, but uh, in terms of matchups those aren't great matchups yeah well he he got the Astros the last time out and did really well went five deep he's got the Brewers this weekend which I don't think that tells us a whole lot but you could pick him up and stash him if that's something you can do in your league for uh, that Boston start. Because I think if he he fares well against Milwaukee, against Boston, uh, those Toronto starts to me look a little less scary. So that's just one way maybe yeah. to to approach it. That could be. And right. I just uh, I'm sorry. That could be it. Yeah. I mean, if you if you don't find those as scary, then don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, a few other starters. Actually, I think I said there were three others. Technically, I'll throw, throw in a fourth one. Kyle Harrison gets the Guardians. That's not a great matchup for strikeouts, but Harrison, if nothing else, he's he's been getting the strikeouts since coming up. Uh, Wade Miley, uh, weekly fixture on this show. He gets the Marlins at home. Griffin Canny gets the Tigers at home. And I'm going to toss in Kenny Rosenberg, who I think is strictly monoleague and deep mixed league, but he also gets the Tigers. Yeah, uh, I like Kyle Harrison some. Somebody asked me why, uh, you know, his stuff numbers were higher in the minors uh, than they have been in the majors. And uh, it's a pretty easy answer. Um, he uh, he has, um, uh, when he was in the minors, he was working on fastball command. I talked to him about this. And so they had him throwing fastballs and sliders. 
Now, interestingly, those are the pitches that he can't command as well, or the, the fastball isn't. So his location numbers were bad. His walk numbers were bad. But it does point to what we see sometimes, which is in the minor leagues, or about development. And if the minor leagues are about development, you have him doing certain things that are better for his development than what he would do in order to win games. Now he comes up, he wants to win games, he's throwing more uh, slurves, he calls it, uh, the breaking ball, and change-ups than he did in the minor leagues. Now, Stuff Plus doesn't love those two pitches, but it might make him a better pitcher to throw the fastball slider curve and change and be a four-pitch pitcher. Um, So I think, all in all, to have two really good pitches that he does in the fastball and the slider and four pitches overall and not be showing as poor command as he was in the minors, I'm generally still positive about Kyle Harrison. I like that Cleveland matchup, and uh, you know, I don't know uh, how good his matchups are beyond that. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a guess with uh, how stupid the, the Giants are. Uh, but I'm guessing it's at Arizona, which is good, but then he finishes it with at L.A., home against L.A. So um, whatever you think of Kyle Harrison, he's probably not a great stash for the end of the season. All right, but he can be a streamer this week, and again, give some consideration to the the others that we mentioned here, but I just want to pivot here to the final segment, the, the closer corner. And uh, we've actually got a little something this week. Uh, so first of all, this is not really a, a super new development, but Tanner Scott does uh, appear to be the Marlins uh, primary closer at this point. And yet he's still, he's out there, 10, 12 teamers. Uh, and one of my 12 teamers where I lost Felix Bautista, I picked up Trevor May. Tanner Scott's still out there. So if you had that opportunity to swap out May for uh, Tanner Scott. Would you do that? Yes. Yes, I don't, I don't know. I think the Marlins are, are playing well, and despite uh, some injuries that we talked about today, I, I believe that they will win more games. And if you win more games, uh, you can have more saves. So <laughs> that's, yeah. that's uh, my thinking there. Also, I, I think that uh, Tanner Scott has, has more, more stuff. All right, so uh, a very strong argument there for me to make a switch this weekend. Uh, and you too, if you're in a similar situation. Uh, a development in the, the Rays bullpen uh, going back to the, the weekend, this past weekend, Jason Adam put on the IL with an oblique strain. Pete Fairbanks has just continued to get saves for them, but the Rays being the Rays, sometimes that's that's a team where you can go in deeper leagues for that second option and try to pick up a few stray saves. Um, Robert Stevenson's really emerged as a, a very reliable reliever for them. Uh, do you think that he'll, he'll maybe pick up a save or two? Uh, I just did something really weird. That's crazy. I was trying to make a custom report and I just put like everything in. That is hilarious. How did I do this? This is so funny. On Fangraphs, you can do custom reports and I put like every stat in. So I am I can now scroll sideways from all the pictures on the Rays, but I, I'm like so deep in that I can't find who the name is anymore. So, <laughs> all right, I'm going to sort by holds if I can find them. Where are the holds? Uh, my, I mean, my, my basic, uh, you know, way of doing things is I get the stuff plus on there and I get the holds on there because the most important thing is how uh, a team is using you. Um, and so holds are a huge metric 
And I am stalling to try and find this in all of this mess that I've created. That is hilarious. I've got all right. Well, I think I could stat. toss you a, a softball. Yeah. How many ball. holds? How many? Oh, there's a holds. There we go. Uh, and it lost me on the 14. There we go. I've got it started by holds. Robert Stevenson. Yeah, that's my guy. I think. All Robert right, Stevenson. So- Sean Armstrong is a decent pickup too. He's got some holds. He has better stuff plus overall. And what I've found it, that's a, a little bonus for you in starting pitcher uh, eligible leagues. Um, he's starting pitcher eligible. Yeah, that's that's not nothing. Yeah, there's a lot of places where you can pick up Sean, Sean Armstrong and sneak some holds. I just did that today. Uh, in one of my leagues, uh, what up, uh, Pitchfork Crew? Uh, and I, uh, I, I, that's what I was thinking was that Armstrong is going to be up a, a, a seat in in that thing, and he's starting pitcher eligible. And on the days I don't have a starter in there, I can throw him in there and try to get some sneaks and holds in. All right, excellent nugget. Well, we'll finish up on something. I think it's it's going to be an easy call, uh, but the Rockies it appears has a a change in closer, and so Tyler Kinley. It's the new uh, pitcher in the seat there. Doesn't matter. It's the Rockies. I can't it's- do it. I mean, they, like, when they're good and they win some games, then, like, maybe I can grin and bear it. But uh, they're the worst team in baseball or second worst team in baseball. So, uh, uh, like, what are they on pace to win in the next three weeks? Like, yeah, five games, like maybe. five. <laughs> eight games and then how many of those would have a save attached to it like two or three and then how many blow-ups do you have to take from your your closer area to get those three saves be a lot of work for three saves yeah no i agree so uh i figured but had to ask had to ask you know so fair enough all right well let's uh just uh, close this out close the, the week out and uh first of all just a reminder that uh, if you want to uh Find uh, Eno or me. We are on uh, Twitter. You can find Eno at Eno Saris. I'm there at Al Melchior BB. And uh, also, uh, you can now get the athletic for a month for the for a dollar a month. You can get it for a month if you want, I guess. A dollar a month <laughs> for the dollar. first year. We, we recommend the whole year. So, uh, and you get all of Eno's work. You get the, uh, at least for a short time, my weekly waiver column. Eno, what do you got coming up that people can? I got a big mailbag coming up tomorrow. That's uh, kind of fun. I did break down some of these pitchers and some ones we didn't even mention because I was looking at their full uh, rest of season schedule and I broke it down by, you know, available in 30% of leagues and 20% of leagues. So uh, that's part of the mailbag. And then some other ones I had to pair a beer uh, with all the uh, pennant contenders. Uh, Some people might be mad at me for the words I wrote down, but uh, I think uh, it's all in good fun and people hopefully will get a laugh out of it. All right. Excellent stuff. So uh, again, dollar a month for the first year, go to the athletic.com slash rates and barrels, all written out rates and barrels. So that's going to be it for this episode and for this week. So thank you all so much for tuning in and uh, we will be back on Thursday.